Insights, solutions, and networking all come together at RSA Conference. Join a global cybersecurity community at rsaconference.com forward slash ITSPMAG24. Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. Thank you for joining us for this conversation. What a rad rig you've got here. Right? Yeah, love your uh, show. Yes. What's in my own? Yep, we're recording. I'm so used to every time I hold one of these that I, that I have headphones on now. <laughs> right. And, it's and like, you, can, you can hear yourself in the monitor? Yeah. <laughs> See, I can hear you in the monitor. They're you, like laughing at can. us. And, I know. That's how it goes. That's how it goes, Canal. It's hard. It is. Life is hard. It is. And then and then we immerse ourselves in uh, into the goodness of RSA conference. How's RSA? <laughs> this is the segue, Eric. How's RSA? Yeah, I know. I'm... My, uh, I'm getting the nod over there. Stay on track. Stay on track. Okay. We can we can talk music and another music time. production and yeah. another time. Another All time. Right. All right. I'm looking at these eyes behind you, <laughs> looking at each other, eyebrows yes. raised. Eric's well, it, like unbelievable. Well, here, here, I'll, I'll try this. How how are things orchestrated uh, in in the? Uh, in some of your conversations. Now, I'll, I'll get serious here because this is Sean Martin. I'm on, on location in San Francisco, RSA conference. And uh, good friend, uh, Kanal Anand, CTO now. Can I say CISO? Of CTO Imperial. and CISO, yes. Look at that because one hat was not enough. You had, you had to take on two. Um, but, I mean, you do some amazing things all around tech and security and beyond. And you have a... a I have to say, Marco and I have talked to you many, many times, a really cool way of looking at things just because of all your experiences. So I'm just going to, I'm going to leave it there for a moment uh, for our audience who doesn't know who Canal is. <laughs> a few, few words, maybe, maybe uh, describe the feeling of becoming a CISO as well as CTO as well. So who's Canal? My name is Canal. <laughs> I'm, I'm Imperva's chief technology officer. And Chief Information Security Officer. Uh, being CISO is everything I always thought it would be. I'm kidding, of course. Um, <laughs> no, it's what I expected the role to be, you know, to get serious for a sec. One of the things that I've always admired about, you know, great CISOs is their ability to remain calm and, you know, really cut through I would say the the broader noise and things that might be happening and really focus on the essence of what the issue is. Uh, some of the best CISOs are some of the best team builders in the world. Some of the best CISOs are some of the best problem solvers in the world. Uh, some of the best CISOs are some of the best collaborators in the world. And I've had the fortunate privilege of meeting so many awesome CISOs over the years and getting to just pick and learn, you know, great qualities and, and great attributes. And so for me, when I was asked to take on the role, I, I said, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And I started to think through, you know, what did I want to take? What, 
you know, what lessons learned. And so I actually picked up the phone and called, you know, some CISOs I admire and, and asked them, you know, what would you do as a new CISO in 2023? What would you focus on? What would you do? And the feedback was amazing. The thoughts, the, the lessons, the things that they taught me really shaped the mental model. And so, you know, one side for me is being CTO where I get to build things and that's product, technology, strategy. I get to evangelize. And then the other side of it is CISO, where I get to protect yep. and protecting the business, protecting Impervians, protecting our customers' data, our partners' data, you know, our brand, our reputation, right? So there, there's a lot that goes on there. And so it's a lot of fun, fun stuff. And I don't necessarily want or need you to get into the specifics of your role, but just your, your general view of this, uh, where security doesn't always cross over into enabling business it's about protecting the growth right and in your CTO role you have the role of making things happen right so now you you wear both hats and do you think that's going to really help you enable and drive growth and protect it all within the same mindset absolutely it already has yeah um, so when I go in and I meet with customers now you know, it's one thing to say I'm the CTO of Imperva, and I've been doing that for years, you know, for five years I've been doing that. And, you know, people, when I say that I'm the CTO of Imperva, they want to talk technology, they want to talk product, they want to talk innovation, they, they want to really have those discussions. But when I say I'm the CISO of Imperva, the conversation totally shifts. They look at me as a peer. And so we end up having these awesome conversations yeah. that, you know, are really things that we would never talk about if I were to say I was just the CTO. I was in you know, several great conversations this week where people were asking me about my risk register and they were asking about collaborating and you know, they were asking me about how I did due diligence for a different product segment and how I've structured my team and how I do product management um, and program management around my risk and how frequently I meet with our board and how do I map risk overall, how do I solve these problems. It's awesome to be embedded in that community and you know, I feel, you know, for, for for the first time ever that my RSA experience has just been incredibly informative and also incredibly different where, you know, I would previously come as a CTO and, and be the vendor. Now I'm coming to RSA as a CISO as well. And I'm also the one getting informed, getting to meet cool companies, getting to see what's going on, but also thinking about tangible risk that I have to I have to address and compare it to the, the risk that my peers have to address. And so, you know, it's a weird thing because I won't say that they're customer meetings. It's more like, it, and it's going to sound cheesy, but it's true. They feel like peer meetings mm. when I can go and sit down and have a discussion with, you know, my peers who are other CISOs at other awesome companies doing great things. Yeah. And th those conversations, I mean, where I've often said, there's no way I can be a CISO, so <laughs> congrats to you for, for having the, the wherewithal to do that. Um, because it's, there's so much to consider, right? You just, even just the NIST framework and the, and the five parts of that. Mm -hmm. And when you start to get creative, building apps, launching stuff in the cloud, CICD, containers, APIs, all the things that you as a company help your customers secure and protect you also have your own <laughs> things to that's do right that yeah. so how 
how does the the I mean, the things that Imperv is doing today? I, I'm assuming you're gonna eat some of your own dog food as well. <laughs> I yeah, hope. I mean, I can tell you the numbers. Yeah. Um, so we we use all of our products to protect every single application, every single API, every single data store we have. So by the numbers, we've got about 1,100 applications and APIs. And you know it's a combination of uh, public, so north-south, as well as mm -hmm. east-west internal applications, microservices, APIs. We use our WAF technology, whether it's deployed through the cloud or whether it's deployed on-prem. We use our RASP technology as well, and we also use our data security fabric. And so again, the one side of me is I get to build product I also get to use our product. And what's cool is when I have newer types of requirements or I need new things, I can literally provide that feedback to our product development teams. And what's shifted for me now is, you know, urging our product development teams to say, listen, use me as a customer and use me as our first round of feedback. You know, before we go to the market, before we take anything out, you know, take the car out of the garage, and, you know, let's, Let's talk about it internally. Let's see what we're seeing and and let's give you real feedback because, you know, we're a real security team. I would say, you know, the other thing that's that's that was difficult for me rationalizing to take the role or not take the role. You know, I've been in this space for a long time. Sean, Marco, we've known each other for quite some time. And typically in cybersecurity, when people call themselves CISOs as a, at a cybersecurity company, they're sales focused. That's like a real thing. And I'm not. You know, I think you all can appreciate that. Yep, you know, absolutely. And so for me, I was really serious about taking on that role, which was if I'm going to do this, I'm going to ground myself as a internal CISO. You know, I, I don't need to give talks about protecting the business. Right. You know, for me, it's about actually protecting the business. And so really putting all the time I have, you know, 50% of my time is being CTO, 50% of my time is being CISO. And I can do that because I've got great people working with me. Our deputy CISO, my deputy CISO, he's incredible. Longtime impervian, been with the company for ages, and we have a great relationship, that trusted relationship where I can get that 50% time to go be a CTO and, and have those discussions. But again, when I took the role on, I said to the team, I'm only going to be focused as a real CISO, and I'm going to do the things that a real CISO would do, right? protecting things. And so, yes, that means deploying our own products, eating our own dog food and providing real feedback you know, to the rest of the world, but also keeping an eye on to what else is emerging out there. I know you brought up frameworks and whatnot, <laughs> and we can definitely talk about it because, you know, I think these frameworks that we've established and that we've built, I think they'll need to become more generalized, especially given some of the most recent trends that we've seen in technology, which is just mind blowing for the last couple of weeks and months. Right. Right. And what, Let's talk about trends. So I, I would imagine you didn't just start watching <laughs> what's going on um, before you before you got the, the hat, that new hat to wear. So what are some of the things that that organizations may not be aware of that you've seen coming into and also during this week that that could change the way that uh, they need to look at their programs? Yeah, I think so much of this is. You know, when I think about holistically, like, why do we do what we do? Put the CISO hat on. Why do we do what we do? We're fundamentally trying to protect an organization, right? Why am I a CISO? 
because I care about protecting our company, but I care about protecting you know the data of our customers, the data of our partners. And I've often taken this reductive view, and I know people who care about niches and you know different areas and sub-industries and segments will roll their eyes when I say it, but ultimately what we do is we protect data. It doesn't matter if you're deploying a firewall or an endpoint solution or an in-application solution, or if you're protecting APIs, you are protecting data. Whether it's data that's being accessed you know, or read, data that's being uh, you know, written, data that's being moved, we are protecting data. And I think what's really interesting is you know, when you start from that first principles thinking, you kind of look at the world very differently versus if you start by looking at the world as a bunch of segments, kind of like as this giant mosaic, you can get really turned around very quickly. And so for me, I always start with, okay, what do we care about? We care about protecting data. So let's talk about the trends, right? Yeah. And I would say trend number one is most of the data breach breaches that have happened and that will likely happen and most of the breached records, and I would say, I think the stat I saw was something like 95% of all breached records recently, you know, that came through APIs that didn't yeah. come from direct database or data store exposure, that was because someone compromised some API or they took advantage of a poorly designed API, a poorly, you know, or an insecure API, something that wasn't really considered. And the other stat that alarmed me recently was, you know, of all the of all the APIs and and, and really of all the API developers in, in the world right now, only forty four percent of API developers have written an API in the last two years. Isn't that crazy? 44%. Yeah, which basically means it proves two things. One, we are in a post-digital transformation world. So I never... The majority of that work is done already. I think so. And I I think, you know, what what, what I call it is modernization. Mm -hmm. You know, I think we're in a modernized world and we're slowly going to be in this sort of post-modern world. And, you know, when I think about that, it means that we now have newer types of applications, newer ways that data is accessed. So mobile phones. I mean, when the pandemic started, we were not using our phones to pay for things in the United States. Now you pretty much are forced to use your phone. And every time you make one of those transactions, what do you think is happening in the back end? Well, there's an API or a series of APIs that are being called between your phone and some endpoint somewhere in some fancy cloud. And the way I kind of look at this whole thing is APIs rule everything. They're behind mobile applications, single page applications, modern applications, microservices. Partners use microservices and APIs to communicate with each other. And you think about IoT, right? And I know we've spent some time in the past kind of brainstorming a little bit about that and what that world looks like as well. And so APIs are everything. Developers who are trying to build these things have never really built them before. And if you've never really built them before, how do you know how to secure these things? You just make the call. You make the call. <laughs> you know it. Yeah. You know it. Yeah, you make the call. And listen, I'm, I'm a developer as well, and I know what that world is like. Someone tells you, oh, it's, it's as easy as making an API call, but then you don't really factor all that into consideration. So I'd say that's part one of this. So the way that data breaches are now happening, mostly through APIs. That's trend one. Uh, trend two, and this is one that's a little bit maybe more cerebral, but I think it's very real. And I'm not seeing it get a lot of which is surprising, I'm not seeing it get a lot of attention at this show, is the sort of impact that AI is going to have mm. around both offensive and defensive security. 
you know, I've brought it up a couple of times yeah. in meetings. And, you know, what's interesting is you can totally see the dichotomy of people who do the work versus people who manage people. Um, what's that pe- mean? So the people who do the work are saying that AI is changing my life. I'm now able to write code faster using things like co-pilots. I'm now able to generate tests on demand for the things that I'm building. So they're able to become more productive. The best phrase that I sort of heard, and to try and sort of take that phrase and kind of shrink it down a little bit more, is everyone is now a 10x developer. In the past, you know, it was so hard to find these 10x developers in the world, but now everyone is a 10x developer. There's they call nothing 10 API calls. You can make 10 this API calls one. or 100. Why not? <laughs> Don't right. limit yourself. Right. Don't limit yourself, Sean. Treat yourself, Sean. Okay. Come on. So, you know, one of the things that, that I find crazy is there's been, you know, democratization mm. in this layer. And, and I would say we've really leveled the playing field for developers, engineers. So on one side, it's really changed them. And the way that they're looking at things is totally different. The managers of many of these folks are just saying, oh, well, I can get more work output here. But I don't think they really appreciate the significance of, you know, what is actually happening with work itself. And you can see it and feel it not just on the, you know, more constructive side, but you also see it on the offensive side as well. So I've, my mind has been blown based on some of the demos that I have seen in private briefings and in various sessions this week. I mean, I've seen people build unique transformers. You know, the, the word T in GPT mm. is uh, transformer. And, and so I've seen some really unique train transformers this week that, I mean, I'm, I'm making this face at you right now because I've been blown away. I mean, I've seen people build transformers to break CAPTCHAs, interactive CAPTCHAs as an example. I've seen people build transformers to stand up these elaborate spear phishing campaigns. I've seen people leverage, you know, these transformers to find weaknesses in defenses. And instead of applying crude fuzzing, like we've seen fuzzing, you know, for the last 10 years, it's like they're branching trees and they're just more sophisticated now in terms of getting to exploiting the root cause of the issue. And so I think about all of this stuff, which means that, you know, as I walked the show floor yesterday and I got to see what people were saying and people were talking about, AI is really, I think a lot of people are just using it as a buzzword. Unfortunately, in this industry, and they need to really take a step back and understand how they can actually use artificial intelligence capabilities like these transformers because the next wave of attacks is not going to look anything like right. the current wave. And it's really interesting because we I've had well, I did a, a session earlier in the week on augmenting the analyst, the stock analyst. Yeah. How 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 they can become 10x analysts. To do a hundred things instead of one, but um, how can, can we touch on that for a second? Sure, because because that is super important to me. Okay. So in my world, um, you know, being a CISO, we have uh, SOC capabilities. Okay. In the past, we used a managed SOC, an external SOC. We made a decision, you know, to bring that capability in house. And when I used a managed SOC before, the managed SOC was you know, you know, follow the sun model of know, 100 people scattered all over the world, didn't really know who these folks were. They were badged into the system as contractors, right? And that's true for every managed SOC. Yeah. But the reality is I can probably do a lot of that work leveraging 
the innovation that's going on in AI now. And we've actually started looking at, okay, well, what are the narratives? What are the workflows that we want? Right. Uh, I was joking with, uh, with our team earlier this week of something that I wanted to build. And maybe, you know, because I am technical and you know how I like to roll. Yep. I was brainstorming, wouldn't it be cool to have like a CISO GPT mm. where it's like a series of functions and tasks that as a CISO you would care about. And, you know, really broadly, CISO GPT is just a cute name for really it's, you know, a security GPT, but it's more like defensive security where help me understand my risk. Help me understand and plot my risk register, track the movements there all the way down to, you know, we're generating a lot of compliance data today. How does that compliance data relate back to security and actionable data for an organization? And then you think about the data that's going into a SOC. Can I make my SOC analyst superheroes? So we talked about those 10X developers. Yep. Can, I, can I make 10X SOC analysts? And the answer is yes. The answer is yes. Yep. I love it. I love it. And the, the I've had another conversation on uh, democratizing or commoditizing security where uh, the idea was that compliance is a commodity, right? You get the checkbox that, oh, I'm a SOC 2, I'm a whatever. And there, there was I, a, I wish it was that easy. I know. <laughs> well, you just pay for it. And then, um, so the idea was that security might end up being there. And it was in the context of kind of outsourced where you're procuring a managed service, but they're not really managing no, much. And and we end up where security is a checkbox. And and I, I hear what you're saying in terms of the innovation, and I'm wondering how yeah. AI plays a role in maybe taking that back so it doesn't become a commodity. Yeah, let's let's actually play it forward. Okay. Okay, so we're in 2023. Every week there is a disruption in AI. Every single week. I remember you know, a few months ago, it was only four months ago. And I remember walking around in, and this is going to sound crazy, I was walking around in Singapore when GPT was released. And, you know, I was hearing and listening to, the, to, to all sorts of things about, okay, this cool technology is out there. You can ask it all sorts of questions and it gives you back all sorts of answers. It'll summarize stuff for you. And there were some weaknesses and some issues. And, you know, it was GPT-3. Then there was GPT-3.5 then four and around this time and slightly before we got into generative art generative mm -hmm. media you can make music now you can make photos you can make videos you can make headshots of yourself i just saw the wildest wildest demo also earlier this week of people who are able to synthesize their own voice and make podcasts with their own voice and it's mind-blowing because every time i think i've understood what the landscape is going to look like it just changes again. Yep. And you know, it, generally it looks like there's gonna be a wave of folks, when you think about AI, you know, the, the, the folks that, that are gonna be building, I would say like the base substrate of this stuff. And these are gonna be academics, these are gonna be people who are gonna be driving these new types of models, breakthroughs in innovation, because I think we all know how innovation curves typically work which is, you know, transformers are new. We're going to push transformers as far as we can. But at some point, we will hit a limitation we'll of the transformer model. And, and then <laughs> exactly, exactly, we'll branch off and we'll make something new. But right now, we're so early on in that process. So I can't tell you what comes after transformers or what a post-transformer world looks like. But what we are seeing is people are not just using chat GPT, but they're building their own. 
because it's mm-hmm. actually not that hard. I built a transformer in less than a week. Super cool. So let's talk about that um, and in the context of security programs because for me, this is a time where this role can be really, really exciting, yeah. I think. Um, and the reason I want to go here is because of your creative mind, right? You, you're a person, <laughs> you do a lot of things, you have a lot of hobbies, many of them creative, many, I'm sure, tons more that I don't even know about, photography, music, um, technology, NFTs, all, all kinds of things. That creative mind, how, how does, and, and with technologies like AI where we can create stories and, and envision things that may not have been possible with the current tech stack or our limitations in our own mind uh, yeah. and, and transforming that into something in a program. Talk, talk to me about how you think the creativity of what, how you think with AI now available might help programs be even better. Yeah. Um, so I actually think it's going to be applicative. I'll put on both hats now, the, the CTO side and the CISO side. Mm. So on the CTO side, actually, you know, I spend a lot of time educating our own internal teams about, you know, who Imperva is, where we're going. Uh, I build things like collateral, like pitch decks and, you know, all sorts of things like that. I'm going to automate all of that. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Nice. Um, I'm going to automate all of that because I have all sorts of voice samples of myself. Uh, I have I already have an audio model of my voice and one of the cool things is I I can now basically type what needs to be said and I can automatically generate audio from me and so the neat thing about that is I can build a lot of training materials a lot of things assuming you like the dulcet tones of my voice of course (laughs) we do do. Um, but you know the neat thing is I think it's going to change a lot of that side of what I do for sure Uh, I don't really see the value in the writing side of things um, just because I have a very specific way of writing and I, I've played with it and it's the sort of hum, the sort of like homogeneous tone it's that it's kind a, of comes out. It's a out. common denominator. Yeah. yeah it, it, you can't get any. It's also reflexive. Mon- like my voice, very monotone. Oh, sure. Whatever you say. <laughs> I, I, we can we can change that. <laughs> Perfect. Um, uh, but, but the crazy thing about all of this is, um, you know, when I think about what is going to go on now on the CISO side, I think we're going to get more creative in terms of attacks, but I also think defense systems have to shift away. I think we're done with signatures because you can defeat signatures when the AI can start thinking for itself and when the transformer can start generating new things. So I think we need to move away from a signature-oriented world to a transformer-oriented world. I really believe that. And if companies in the cybersecurity space are not thinking about that shift right now, you know, and, and again, for an organization like us, we're really privileged because we, we have great technology that generates great labeled output. We're going to be able to build these transformers that are going to you know, just be a, a generational leap. And we're going to take advantage of that. My hope is that you know, other companies really think about what, they, what they're doing and what makes them unique, and they make those leaps so that we can better protect the world. And you know, we, we can definitely brainstorm down the road about you know, what else is going on and, and in my mind about the creative <laughs> well, there's, things. There's, there's, no, there's no question. That we, it's possible. We've done it. Talk for hours. Pick a topic. Tangent 20 times. Yeah. Maybe 10 times that now. Um, always amazing. Always amazing. But I'm going to bring it to your last point. Let's protect the world. Let's protect the world. Let's all do our part. And all, it's amazing. 
as always, to chat with you. Thanks a, for a true thanks pleasure. For hanging out. Yes, it's good to see you. And uh, thanks everybody for listening to this. We'll uh, we'll include links to Imperva and uh, Canal's profile, and you can check out his new CISO title there on LinkedIn and all the other good stuff he's doing. Um, thanks everybody for listening. Thanks again. Thank you. If you enjoyed this podcast, share ITSP Magazine with your friends, family, and colleagues. Thank you for listening. Insights, solutions, and networking all come together at RSA Conference. Join a global cybersecurity community at rsaconference.com forward slash ITSP mag 24.